Chapter Two, Part One of Commentary in the Gospel of John, Book Ten, by Cyril of Alexandria, translated by Reverend Thomas Randall. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Two, that the Son is consubstantial with God the Father, and not of an alien or foreign nature, as some of the perverse assert. Fifteen one, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman he wishes to show us that it behoves us to love to hold fast to our love towards him and how great a gain we shall have from our union with him when he says that he is the vine by way of illustration and that those who are united and fixed and rooted in a manner in him and who are already partakers in his nature through their participation in the holy spirit are branches for it is his holy spirit which has united us with the saviour christ since connection with the vine produces a choice of those things which belong to it and our connection with it holds us fast from a firm resolve in goodness we proceed onward by faith and we become his people obtaining from him the dignity of sonship for according to the holy paul he that is joined unto the lord is one spirit as then in other places he has been called the foundation and coping-stone by the voice of the prophets for upon him we are built up ourselves being the stones living and spiritual stones into a holy priesthood for a habitation of god in the spirit and in no other way are we able to be built up into this save only if christ be the coping-stone so here by a similar reflection he says that he is a vine as it were the mother and nourisher of its branches for we are begotten of him and in him in the spirit to produce the fruits of life not the old life of former days but that which consists in newness of faith and love towards him and we are preserved in our hold on this life by clinging as it were to him and holding fast to the holy commandment given to us and by making haste to preserve the blessing of our high birth that is by our refusing to grieve in any way whatever the holy spirit that has taken up his abode in us by whom god is conceived to dwell in us for in what manner we are in christ and he in us the wise john will show us when he says hereby we know that we are in him and he in us by the spirit which he gave us and again hereby we know that we are in him he that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked and he makes this even clearer to his hearers by the words he that keepeth his commandments abideth in him and he in him for if the keeping of his commandments worketh love towards him and we are joined to him by love surely what has been said has been shown to be true by these quotations for just as the root of the vine ministers and distributes to the branches the enjoyment of its own natural and inherent qualities so the only begotten word of god imparts to the saints as it were an affinity to his own nature and the nature of god the father by giving them the spirit insomuch as they have been united with him through faith and perfect holiness 
and he nourishes them in piety and worketh in them the knowledge of all virtue and good works and when he calls the father husbandman why does he give him this title for the father is not idle or inert in his dealings with us and while the son nourishes us and sustains us in a perfect state by the holy spirit the rectification of our condition is as it were the function of the whole sacred and consubstantial trinity and the will and power to do all the actions done by it pervades the whole divine nature therefore it is glorified by us in its entirety and in one single aspect for we call god a saviour not gaining the graces which are compassionately bestowed upon us partly from the father and partly from the son himself or the holy spirit but calling our salvation the work of one divinity and if we must apportion the gifts which are bestowed upon us or those activities which they display about creation to each person of the trinity separately none the less do we believe that everything proceeds from the father by the son in the spirit you will think then quite rightly that the father nourishes us in piety by the son in the spirit he husbands us that is he watches over us and cares for us and deems us worthy of his sustaining providence by the son in the spirit for this view will be more correct than any other in my opinion for if we attribute to each a separate activity in his dealings with us apart from the others is it not beyond controversy that since the son is called a vine and the father a husbandman we are nourished and sustained in well-being especially by the son alone while from the father we receive merely his providential care for it is the function of the vine to nourish the branches and of the tiller of the soil to tend them and if we think aright we shall believe that neither the one function if performed apart from the father nor the other apart from the son or the holy ghost could sustain the whole for all proceeds from the father by the son in the spirit as we have said very appropriately now the saviour called the father a husbandman and it is not at all difficult to assign the cause for it was to the intent that no one might think that the only begotten merely exercised care over us that he represents god the father as co-operating with him calling himself the vine that quickens his own branches with life and productive power and the father a husbandman and for this reason teaching us that providential care over us is a sort of distinct activity of the divine substance for we are bound to know that god did not only make us partakers of his nature conceived of as belonging to the holy and consubstantial trinity but also he watches over us with the most diligent care which is illustrated to us very appropriately on this occasion by the figure of husbandry for when he has before spoken of the vine and its branches how is not the illustration of the husbandman most apt introducing the one who takes the care and charge of the whole that is god and if we are convinced that the son is really and truly in his own father and he has him that begat him in his own nature 
and all things are brought to perfection by both in the spirit as by one divinity neither will the father be without his share in nourishing us nor can the son be thought not to partake in his husbandry for where their identity of nature is seen in unmistakable language there too there is no division of activity though any one may think that they have manifold diversities of operations and as there is one substance that is the true and real godhead conceived of in three persons that is in the father and the son and the holy ghost is it not extremely clear and incontrovertible that when we speak of an activity of one it is a function of the one and entire divinity in the way of inherent power moreover our lord jesus christ accepting his father as his fellow-worker in all he did once went amongst the impious jews and said many good works have i showed you from my father for which of those works do ye stone me and again about working on the sabbath day my father worketh even until now and i work and no one would think he said that the father acts separately in his dealings with the world and so also the son for since the father does all things by the son and could not otherwise act as he is his wisdom and power for this reason he on the other hand called the father the doer of his own works when he said i do nothing of myself but the father abiding in me doeth his works i think therefore we ought to take this view and no other that christ takes the place of the vine and we are dependent on him as branches enriched as it were by his grace and drinking in by the spirit spiritual power to bear fruit and since we who have chosen the right path are assailed by the trenchant arguments of our adversaries who try to persuade us to take a false view we will make things clear to our hearers compressing into short compass what one of them has set forth at length well he says has the only begotten refuted and brought to shame those who think that he is of the same substance with god the father for note how he clearly calls himself the vine and the father the husbandman for as the vine is not the same in substance with the husbandman for the one is wood and the other is man and these things are altogether separate and alien in nature so the son is not of the same essence with the father and the definition of their essence is widely different and distinguishes them if the one is a husbandman and the other a vine for there is no question that some people unjustifiably attempt to prove that this has only reference to the incarnation for he does not say that his flesh is the vine but rather his godhead but will it not be clear to every one he says that our body has no dependence on the flesh of the saviour as the branches on the vine nor yet is the fruit of the saints fleshly but spiritual therefore he says putting on one side for the present all reference to the flesh we say that the meaning of the speech relates to the divinity itself of the son and we maintain that that divinity is the vine on which we depend by faith 
these idle ravings then suggested themselves to him as he capriciously rejected according to his own private judgment the correct interpretation of the divine doctrine and distorted it in his headstrong folly into conformity with his own preconceived theory but we who cling to the truth are quite of the opposite opinion and following in the line of the knowledge of the holy fathers shall retain the correct doctrine we may now pertinently inquire according to our lights how we ought to interpret the meaning of the text and we must also see how and in what manner we may equip ourselves to encounter their arguments for if we saw that no harm could steal therefrom under the hearts of the simple-minded we would pass over them in silence and rightly disdaining to intermeddle with their vain theories have embarked on the investigation of the ensuing passage but since such doctrines would be very calamitous if they gained acceptance does it not follow that we ought fired with religious zeal to enter on the contest of words and arguments for thus the wickedness of our adversaries can be very easily detected let us commence by saying that it is the height of folly unseasonably to reject what has been given by way of illustration and brought in as a similitude of the relations of the trinity to display the manner of their nature or essence for i say that those who wish rightly to comprehend anything that is said do well in looking at the purpose of the discussion and ought attentively to consider what is the meaning of the maker of the speech in his conversation for consider too in the light of what lies before us whether i do not seem to you to speak well it was not the purpose of our saviour christ to teach the disciples that he was different in nature or separate from the father and it was not for this reason that he resolved to call him that begat him the husbandman and himself the vine for if this was his aim why did he not end his speech here without adding any qualification to it for he would have illustrated what his purpose was according to your idea without chance of confusion if he had merely given these names to himself and the father but now after premising that he was the vine and saying that we depend on him as branches and then investing the father with the character of the husbandman he makes it quite clear and obvious to all i think that he has no such meaning as you suppose and wishes by palpable illustrations visible to the bodily eye to persuade his hearers that all power of producing the fruits of the spirit proceeds from him as the branches which grow up from the root are pervaded by its inherent quality for every good thing which we have is given but it is not so with god for he is in himself the originator of his own peculiar attributes glory and might which appertain to him alone therefore christ being as it were the root is the vine and we are the branches and if he called the father the husbandman do not think that he spoke of him as being different in substance for he does not mean this as we have said but wishes to point out that the divine nature is the root and origin in us of the power of producing the fruits of the spirit of life 
besides the blessings we have spoken of, tending us like a husbandman, and extending over those who are called by faith to partake in it the providence of love. The unlikeness of the illustrations used then has no reference to the definition of the essence, for it is not the purpose of our Saviour Christ to speak on that subject, but his teaching has quite another object. And since the deluded heretic chooses to propound his false views in his folly, and says that no argument will induce those who, as it were, distort the aim of the words which are before us from their right meaning, and attribute to them a reference to the incarnation of Christ, for we were not united to him in the body, nor yet did the apostles as branches abide in the body of Christ, nor were they after this fashion connected with him, but in temper of mind and faith unfeigned. Let us briefly reply to this, and show him that he is altogether astray, and does not follow aright the holy writings. For that we are spiritually united with Christ in a disposition made conformable to perfect love, in true and uncorrupted faith, in virtue and purity of mind, the statement of our doctrine will no way deny. For we confess that he is quite right in saying this. But in venturing to say that no reference is intended to our union with him after the flesh, we will point out that he is wholly out of harmony with the inspired writings. For how could it be disputed, or what right-minded man could deny, that Christ is the vine in this relation? And we, as being branches after a figure, receive into ourselves life out of and proceeding from him, as Paul says. For we are all one body in Christ, seeing that we who are many are one bread, for we all partake of the one bread. And let any one account for this and give us an interpretation of it without reference to the power of the blessed mystery. Why do we receive it within us? Is it not that it may make Christ to dwell in us corporeally, also by participation and communion of his holy flesh? Rightly would he answer, I deem. For Paul writes that the Gentiles have become fellow members of the body and fellow partakers and fellow heirs of Christ. How are they shown to be embodied? Because, being admitted to share the Holy Eucharist, they become one body with him, just as each one of the holy apostles. For why did he, St. Paul, call his own, yea, the members of all as well as his own, the members of Christ? For he writes thus, Know ye not that your members are members of Christ? Shall I then take away the members of Christ, and make them members of a harlot? God forbid. And the Saviour himself says, He that eateth my flesh, and drinketh my blood, abideth in me, and I in him. For here it is especially to be observed that Christ saith that he shall be in us, not by a certain relation only, as entertained through the affections, but also by a natural participation. For as, if one entwineth wax with other wax, and melteth them by the fire, there resulteth of both one, 
so through the participation of the body of christ and of his precious blood he in us and we again in him are co-united for in no other way could that which is by nature corruptible be made alive unless it were bodily entwined with the body of that which is by nature life the only begotten and if any be not persuaded by my words give credence to christ himself crying aloud verily verily i say unto you except ye eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood ye have not life in yourselves he that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life and i will raise him up in the last day thou hearest now himself plainly declaring that unless we eat his flesh and drink his blood we have not in ourselves that is in our flesh eternal life but eternal life may be conceived to be and most justly the flesh of that which is life that is the only begotten and how or in what manner this raises us up on the last day here now and i will not scruple to tell you for since the life that is the word which shone forth from god the father took unto himself flesh the flesh became transformed into a living principle and it is inconceivable that the life should be vanquished by death therefore since the life is in us it will not endure the bondage of death but will wholly vanquish corruption since it cannot endure its results for corruption does not inherit incorruption as paul says for if christ uses the emphatic expression i will raise him up he not only invested his own flesh with the power of raising those who are asleep but the divine and incarnate word being one with his own flesh says i will raise him up and with good reason for christ is not severed into a duality of sons nor can any one think that his body is alien from the only begotten as no doubt no one could maintain that the body in which the soul dwells is alien from it when then by these disquisitions christ has been shown to us to be the vine in this sense and we the branches inasmuch as we partake in a fellowship with him that is not merely spiritual but also corporeal why does he talk so vainly asserting that since our dependence on our fellowship with him is not corporeal but consisting rather in faith and disposition to love according to the law he did not call his own flesh he says the vine but rather his godhead and yet why some one may say does he reject the interpretation that is more fitting and appropriate to the passage and hasten to adopt one widely divergent for shall we not grant that christ is the vine in a more appropriate way also according to the fellowship of the flesh and that we are branches through the similarity of our nature for that which proceeds from the vine is of like nature with it and this we say not as attempting to deny the possibility of union with christ by right faith and sincere love but rather from a wish to point out that christ is the vine and we are the branches both in a spiritual and corporeal sense 
Further, the statement of the truth is simple and obvious. But our adversary, in his wickedness, disdains the admission that Christ was the vine in a corporeal sense also, as conferring his own life on the branches, that is to say, on us, just as the visible and earthly vine confers life on the branches that cling to it. He distorts and does violence to the meaning of the thought, making it have reference only to his Godhead. For he thought that he might thus bring a calumny against it, raising this ignorant contention. If the son is the vine, he says, and the father the husbandman, and the son differs in nature from him, as in the figure of the vine, the son will not be of the same substance with the father. And he thinks he has built up a profound, trenchant, and incontrovertible theory against the doctrines of the church, but will no less here also be convicted of folly. For when he first asserts that the son is alien in nature, and places him outside the substance of him that begat him, how then can he any longer call God a father, and the son a son in any sense? For if he says that he was not begotten, that is, proceeded from the substance of the father, just as the offspring of men from men, how could he be in any true sense the son? How then can he set aside the blessed John, when he says, He that denieth the Son will deny the Father also. He that confesseth the Son confesseth the Father also. And the saying is true. For the denial or confession of the one altogether involves the denial or confession of the other. For the Father could not exist if the Son did not nor could the Son be conceived of if he that begat him were not conceived of with him. If, then, he denies the Son, for he says that he belongs to another class, he thereby denies the Father also. What answer, then, my good sir, have you to make? Whom has faith left? Where is the glory of the Holy Trinity? For the nature that rules over the universe is hereby wholly taken away that nature which is shown to us in plain language in the holy scripture for their temerity and falsehood force us into the midst of difficult discussions but perhaps shrinking from so prodigious a blasphemy he says that the son belongs to another class but was begotten of god the father but we will ask him once more to tell us how then does he grant to confess that he is begotten for if as one of created beings, according to a state of mind that is in love and according to will, for all things are said to be produced from God, this none the less involves the same blasphemy. And if he says that he is truly the Son, but asserts that he is alien, and asserts even after saying thus that he is different in class, even after this admission he commits an impiety against the Father himself, for that which the nature of created beings disdained to suffer, this he would show that God underwent. For surely is not that which is truly the offspring of anything by nature manifestly of the same substance with the father of it? Is it not quite obvious to everyone? The world, then, proceeds according to a suitable principle, for no creature produces anything different in kind from itself and only in God shall we find the reverse, 
since he has begotten the son different in kind and not of his own nature it were likely then that our adversary should not like to make any reply but if he persists in his folly and thinks that the son is different in kind from god the father we will not be slack in our advocacy of the doctrines of the truth for we shall show that he says that god the father is the same in kind with created beings and how or in what way you may now learn he clearly contends and maintains that it is not so much the flesh as the divinity itself of the only begotten that is called the vine suppose it is so then for i will ask the question and let him make the reply does he think that the son is truly god or not or does he maintain that he is spurious and that his dignity only consists in empty titles and if he maintains that he is not god by nature let him ponder over the testimony of the only begotten himself when he says i am the truth for the truth has only one form and does not admit of the spurious or misnamed and let him accept the witness hereon of the most wise john when he clearly exclaims and says and we are in the true god jesus christ this is the true god and eternal life but if perhaps he is ashamed of this and gives up his contention and confesses that the son is truly god we will not shift our position but will use his own words to overturn what he said is not the father as the husbandman different in nature from the vine for the one is man and the other wood thus must not the divine be conceived of as really and truly of the same nature with its branches and i suppose some would attain such a pitch of folly as to venture to deny what is so clear when then being truly god he is of the same substance with the true and living god that is the father and he is the vine and we are the branches of the same nature plainly for this reason with the vine shall not we ourselves also surely be gods by nature putting off as it were our own nature but such an idea only those wicked men who shrink from no impiety can entertain for we have been created and the son is god by nature then how can this be and how can that which was said of him be true if the branches are of the same nature with the vine for it must be that either we ourselves are uplifted into the nature of the true godhead or that is brought down to us for the branches are of like nature with the vine and since the son clearly says i and the father are one either we shall ascend with him to perfect likeness with the father or the father himself will be drawn down with the son who is like in nature to us into our likeness you see then what a mass of blasphemies we have arising from his statement therefore we will rather follow the true doctrine believing that the son says by way of illustration i am the vine ye are the branches my father is the husbandman End of chapter 2, part 1